This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. What drives enforcers to file or launch investigations and potentially file actions against you as a dealer or manufacturer is when there is a large number of complaints that show a common pattern of something that they view as deceptive. That's Attorney Jonathan Lewis talking about why a lawsuit might be filed against a dealer or manufacturer in the water treatment industry. And welcome to WQA Radio, the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. If you're a first-time listener or new to the industry, welcome. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone you know. Also, we now feature these podcasts on our WQA YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash at Water Quality Association videos to see our guests. In this episode, we feature part of a segment from the 2021 WQA convention and exposition entitled Ethics in Action, Navigating the Gray Areas. We'll hear insights from Jonathan Lewis, partner with Lowenstein and Sandler. Lewis was part of a panel discussion, and he described the main reasons things go south in a customer relationship, how that might turn into a lawsuit or investigation, and what to do to avoid them. Later, we'll have our Motivational Minute and WQA tip. And now, on to attorney Jonathan Lewis on WQA Radio. I think it's a good uh, place to start is by kind of laying the, uh, setting the stage for what some of the industry have been confronting in recent years. And I think it's a, a good place to start by asking uh, what starts um, investigations and uh, why are cases filed against dealers or manufacturers, and in some cases, uh, the sources of certain leads. Well, the, the answer really is uh, the customer relationship goes south, um, but that's not so simple. Um, you need to ask, why does the customer relationship go south? And, and the main reason most of the time that I see the customer relationship going south is buyer's remorse. But buyer's remorse is not all that's there. Um, if a customer just has buyer's remorse, it doesn't mean they're running off to a uh, lawyer to file a lawsuit. Um, they may file a complaint with the state uh, you know, AG's office about what happened. Um, but something more has to happen for buyer's remorse to turn into a lawsuit or an investigation. And that's something more. I'm going to walk you through uh, three scenarios that um, I'm familiar with um, that drive that customer with buyer's remorse to seek a lawyer. Scenario one, you have a, somebody, a customer who can't get financing, so you take the sale in as a, a house account. Customer doesn't pay for the system. You file a small claims collection action. What does the customer do? They go see a lawyer. The lawyer files a class action counterclaim against you, the dealer, against the manufacturer, and against the big box retailer that the source was the source of the lead. That's one scenario. Here's another scenario. Uh, customer um, 
uh, goes to buy a system. Dealer comes in, customer uh, buys the system, goes to cancel the, the sale uh, after the three-day right to cancel. Dealer drops the price. Customer then says, okay, I'll keep the system, but still has buyer's remorse. When the customer doesn't pay for the system, what does the dealer do? Threatens a lien. That threat of the lien leads the customer to go see a lawyer. So what does the lawyer do? Class action lawsuits against the dealer, the manufacturer, and the big box retailer, which is the source of the lead. Another scenario, and this will be the last one I'm gonna walk you guys through. Same thing, third party finance company files a small claim collection action against the customer who doesn't pay for a system. What happens? The customer goes to see a, goes to see a lawyer. The lawyer files a class action lawsuit against the dealer and the big box retailer, which was the source of the lead. So there's a common theme among all these lawsuits that get filed. Something happens that pushes the, the customer who has buyer's remorse to go see a lawyer. Just real quickly on enforcement actions. There are some states where it's just natural for, there's a history of investigating the industry. Uh, well, they'll, once in a while they'll send out subpoenas or um, requests for information just to see what's going on. California that happens, Florida that happens. But when you're not just uh, part of the general uh, casting the net out to catch to see what's going on, what drives enforcers to file or launch investigations and potentially file actions against you as a dealer or manufacturer is when there is a large number of complaints that show a common pattern of something that they view as deceptive. But you know, those things, cases I think are, are more rare. The ones that I've seen in recent years are the ones where something drives the customer who's experienced remorse to go see a lawyer. Now before I get to the kind of the themes that some of these cases all have in common, I think it's important to take a look at, well, it's not there. Anyway, it's in, it's, uh, in your materials. If you look, there's a map and there are probably about a dozen or more states highlighted in red. Include Florida, California, Ohio, New Jersey, Illinois and others. Those states are states where there have been lawsuits filed, either class actions, individual actions, or government investigations of dealers and or manufacturers in the last few years. And those are just the states that I'm aware of. So if you are a manufacturer and have a dealers in those states, or you're a dealer in those states, you should take note. If you're operating in one of those states that's not colored in red, consider yourself lucky. Um, you never know what's around the corner because all these complaints that get filed are typically, there's the public record, they're out there, and any entrepreneurial lawyer doing their research can find these complaints and start thinking about, hey, what's going on? Do I have a lawsuit when someone walks in the door because they have buyer's remorse and somebody's threatened them with a collection action or a lien? So here are some of the common themes on the screen, and then you have them also in the packet, the handout, and on your app that you see among these cases that have been filed over the last few years. And so the first paragraph, it's numbered five here, it says, during the water testing presentation, the sales rep added chemicals to the plaintiff's tap water to simply highlight mineral content or chlorine in the water such that no tap water uh, would ever pass the quote test and every, in, in every test always yields a chemical reaction. And that ends up inducing a purchase. Well, that's pretty simple stuff, and it's a hardness test, a chlorine test, and a precipitation test. That's the standard demo packet or kit that you may buy, and your water sales folks may be walking in to do a demo. 
The next paragraph is really important because this is what they say is wrong about doing those things. They say the information was never disclosed to the plaintiffs during the, during the in-home water presentation. So just think about it. If you are disclosing to the customer that, hey, I'm doing a hardness test and it's not, pa not pass-fail, it's really just a test to identify the presence or absence of hardness, of mineral hardness. And you can go further and define it as calcium and magnesium and so forth. But if you're disclosing that and you're doing it in such a way that no one can question it, you've now checked the box and no one can go after you and say, you didn't tell me that you were just doing a hardness test. And so there's things that you can say or show, and I always think it's best to do it in writing and have customers sign things on a purchase, that they're acknowledging that they're getting certain disclosures. And we'll talk a little bit later about why this gets important, become more and more important as the products have evolved and the certifications have become so prolific and what the products um, are certified to reduce. The next part of this paragraph, they say, nor was it disclosed to the plaintiffs that the testing performed could not detect harmful contaminants. Well, these tests aren't really for harmful contaminants, they're for things for aesthetics. So if you're telling people, hey, by the way, the tests I'm performing aren't for harmful contaminants, you plug that gap there right too. So it's a good idea in your materials to have certain disclosures that say that. And then last aspect here, they say the water, uh, let's see, uh, let's, I'm trying to get a little bit of a better view of this, so forgive me. It's on the uh, next slide detect harmful contaminants or determine the necessity for the water treatment system. I've seen this a number of times and I'm not quite sure what they mean by the necessity for a water treatment system because if you're doing a hardness test and identify its hardness in the water, that test will tell you whether you would benefit from a softener. And in fact, if you are selling a softener, you need to know how hard the water is in order to set the softener correctly to have it work. So where are they going with all these allegations? Um, well, here it is. They're basically saying that the hardness test and the precipitation test and the chlorine test, and you can all lip them, lump them in together, are really just sales gimmicks, and they use to scare people, and to bind something they don't really need, and it costs a lot more than they can get it somewhere else. And the somewhere else, obviously, is online or through a big box retailer. And they'll say that those products that you can get online or through a big box retailer are comparable and just as good to the ones that you may sell through an in-home sales presentation that come with the turnkey solution of installation and service and all the things that you get with that product. They're not making this stuff up. For years, the Federal Trade Commission has put out guidance. I mean, I've seen it going back to the 90s and it may predate the 90s. Um, and more recently, I guess it's not so recently because it's August 2013 now, the FTC put out a blog post titled, After a Weather Emergency, Is It Safe to Drink the Water? Now, whoever wrote this blog post, I think, got some of it wrong. Um, they kind of cribbed off some prior guidance, and I've highlighted, uh, hopefully it's on the screen and you can see it in your in materials, um, some language here, it's on the screen, that talks about uh, specific in-depth water analysis. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if that means that if you're selling a certified product that's you know, certified to reduce a whole host of primary contaminants, you should be testing the water for every single, pro every single contaminant that the product's certified to reduce. It, it just makes no sense. But what you see is these plaintiff's lawyers glom onto something like that. They reference this in the complaint to give some uh, extra currency or oomph to the complaint that a judge may read and think that there's really something here when there isn't. 
Candace, not Can, Amanda, I'm sorry, mentioned Florida. Florida has guidance and it's been out for a number of years and here it is, how to protect yourself from water treatment devices. This is another favorite one to reference because it says avoid free home water tests. And so that's the first thing. And it's really talking about here, you know, a tritation hardness test, it's referenced there, or a precipitation test, and someone misrepresenting what is really going on with those tests. And they suggest that you should avoid this stuff and really everybody's water is gonna fail. Well, if you go back to the complaints that I showed, and they're talking about all tests will fail, what, you know, <laughs> those tests aren't pass-fail tests. They're just present absence tests and how much, if at all. And so if you have the right disclosures, you're doing it the right way, you're setting yourself up to avoid someone saying that you, you kind of went too far, you've fallen into these traps that the AG in Florida, Maine has one like it as well, or um, the FTC has put out. And just one last one before I hand things off to Candace. Um, here's another favorite one. Here's a well-known manufacturer of demo kits and water tests. And here's what they put out in 2018 about precipitation tests. They're critical of, the folks, of some folks using the precipitation test improperly to sell the product. And so here's another example where plaintiff's lawyers will reference some statement in a complaint in order to get the judge who's looking at a complaint to think long and hard about whether to throw that complaint out early in the case. And that was part of a presentation back in 2021 at the WQA convention and exposition with attorney Jonathan Lewis. It's a great example, by the way, of the kinds of presentations and topics that will be offered at the upcoming WQA convention and exposition in March in Orlando. Go to wqa.org convention to learn more and register. Again, wqa.org convention. And now our motivational minute, beliefs. What do you believe about life, about business, about yourself? And are those beliefs really true? Mark Twain gets credit for saying, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> wow, it's what you know for sure that just isn't true. Well, is that true in your life? Are you willing to concede that you don't know everything or that some of what you do know may not be fully accurate? That's a nice way of saying it. Be open to learning, asking questions, hearing someone else's perspective, and challenging your own observations from time to time. It's hard to improve anything if you're operating on a false belief. And our WQA tip. You know, we hear from members from time to time about their concerns and challenges, and uh, one of them seems to be uh, an ongoing issue with finding the right people hiring good people, hiring new people, finding people out there who could become water treatment professionals. And uh, just a great opportunity to make sure you're aware of the WQA Career Center. You can look for a job, you can post a job, and you can take advantage of a lot of resources available from the WQA Career Center. Services to help you build and manage your career for maximum 
potential for success. So check it out. The WQA Career Center. Go to careers.wqa.org. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.